So tonight, in a moment, you're going to have the treat of hearing Pastor Dale Armstrong, Apostle Dale Armstrong to us, bring the Word. But before we do that, I want to give you an update on our trip this week down to Richmond, Virginia. So it was, it was an amazing trip, it was a successful trip, and uh, it was very, very, um, I had to keep pinching myself that I get to be a part of the work of the Lord. And with such amazing people and people that are hungry for the Lord. So I know that you guys have been birthing through prayer what is happening in the, this beginning of church planting. And so I, t- I told you guys before, you know, this is not just a one-time thing. This is the beginning of a movement, of a church planting movement. And so, but before you can run, you have to learn to walk, Right. And so that's what we're doing now. So on Thursday, uh, Jen and I, along with Dale and Terry, flew down to Richmond. And it was exciting for me because it was the very first time that Dale and Terry flew with me. And it was also the first time that Jen flew with me. And so, and, and I think they would all do it again. So that's, that's the good news. <laughs> but we got down there, we had, I believe, 18 people that were a part of the meeting apart from ourselves. And uh, they're just very hungry for, Lord, for the Lord, for, to be used by the Lord, to walk in dis- discipleship and to disciple others. Um, they have been, been praying for Richmond in that area and a move of God in that area, believing for a move of God for a long time. And I believe that you and I get to be a part of that. And so uh, one of the things that I was really blessed by is the people that came, they're experienced. You know, they've been walking with the Lord for many years, and they're not satisfied. They're not looking for a place to just come and sit and be fed. They're looking for a place to work, a place to be active and used and by the Lord. And, and so I was really blessed by that. So we, uh, we had a several-hour meeting of, of testimony and sharing and praying for one another. And then from there, we went to another location and looked at a building, a facility that we'll be able to use. It's called The Barn. It's a renovated barn um, for our meetings. And so we've set a schedule of January 24th, which is a Tuesday. That's going to be our first meeting at uh, 6.30 p.m. And then uh, two weeks later, we'll have the second meeting on February 7th. And from there, either we'll continue going every other week or maybe we'll um, go every week. We'll just see how the Lord leads. But continue to keep praying and believing God for His, His, um, His leading, Him bringing the right people to these meetings, having, having the right people step up into leadership because all of those things need to happen, right? As well as you guys are all welcome to go along. Now, the plane only holds four. And so for this, this first trip going down in the plane is going to be myself and uh, Apostle Dale and John Fike. And we're going to have a time of worship, the word, and prayer. So anyone else that comes is going to have to drive, all right? Um, but I can give you an address and tell you how and where to be at what time. And uh, you can be a part of it if you would like. Um, Dale, would you like to come and maybe you would share some, some of your perspective of the meeting and then bring us the word? Yeah, absolutely. Praise God. Love you. Hallelujah. Love you Welcome too. home. Amen. It is so good. Did you bring your Bible? Yeah. Amen. Well, why don't you open to Proverbs and uh, while you're turning there, uh, I'll just uh, add a few 
exclamation marks to things that are taking place. So excited uh, to see the church planting movement that Pastor Sidney talked about. And I want you to, to know how much it means to me that you're praying and interceding. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, just pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues, and pray the scripture. Uh, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. Pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers. That's, that's you graduates of LTS, by the way, uh, into your harvest field. And, uh, you know, in 1987, that's a ways back, 1987, the Lord told me to start Church of the Word International, and it is a missionary organization actively planting churches in the, the northeastern United States. Later, literally less than a month later, in an all-night prayer meeting, I had a vision, and I was drawing some things out on a piece of paper, and another young guy, disciple of the Lord, uh, also had a vision that was the same as mine. And uh, he said, I'm having a vision, I'm having a vision. I said, speak it out. Well, he spoke out the vision I had just had. And we saw church planting. Now, what I put down was from Washington, D.C., up the coast to Boston. Well, we missed it a little bit. Richmond is a little bit lower than Washington, D.C., so I guess maybe we'll go a little higher than Boston. But that'll be all right. Praise the Lord. And the reason I want to share that is just so you understand this isn't something new. Uh, I've sat before the Lord for years waiting for these things to take place in the Spirit. And it's fun to be a father, but it's even more fun to be a grandfather and to see how God uses the, the heritage and the legacy of, of seeds that have been planted. But not only seeds that we've planted, but we enter into the labors of others. Brian Wills has labored in, in Richmond for over 20 years. How many of you have enjoyed Brian when he comes and he ministers? And in the very first time Brian came, our hearts were really knit together. And it was a divine appointment, you know. Sometimes you just, I don't know, sometimes I just shake their hand or hear them preach the first time. And it, and it feels like I, I know them. You, you know what I mean? It, it feels like they've been here all the time. It feels like I can't imagine Armada without Brian. Well, as, as, as I get to know him and realize here he was working in some of the things that have always broke my heart. One of these men of God out there on their own. You don't know what it's like to be out there on your own until you've been out there on your own. And, and uh, boy, he was just so thirsty. And when we all connected, uh, he, he'd been so faithful in teaching uh, what God had called him to teach and was mature enough to never start a church, even though sometimes he'd have over 100 people every week. But God told him to start a healing school. You know, that's not, that, that to me is a great sign of maturity. Because you, you've got the capacity. I mean, there's some cell group leaders, not in this church, but there's some cell group leaders, they'll be in some church, and they'll get 15 people and call themselves pastor and steal them away from the church and go start their own thing. They don't usually last long because the foundation's not godly. But for someone like Brian to have that large of an attendance in a, in a healing school, and he never started a church and he, and he told me, you know, time after time, someone would come in and say, why don't you start a church? Why don't you start a church? Why don't you start a church? Well, he wasn't called to start a church. Listen, if you're not called to pastor, don't pastor. 
If you're not called to be an evangelist, don't, don't try to be one. If you're not called to be a teacher, don't try to be one. Isn't it, you can only be the best at what God's called you to do. So I see that as a tremendous sign of maturity in Brian Wills. And, and then that's when the Lord began to deal with Terry and I. Oh, oh, I don't know. We first started praying about Richmond specifically probably way back in the mid-90s. But then more recently in the last 10 years. And then most recently, just last year. And, and I, and I want to really make this, this known. Most recently, last year, and never, I never told Pastor Sidney that, that Terry and I are praying about starting a church in Richmond. Boy, was I surprised when Sidney came up to me and said, God spoke to me. And we're to start a church in Richmond and, and Connecticut. And I just kind of blinked like a duck in a hailstorm and, and, and thought, well, this is cool. Isn't it nice when you really don't have to wonder? Amen. Y'all hear you gone home. And so uh, don't, don't be worried about it. You say, well, is, is pastor going to be distracted or et cetera, et cetera? No, he's not going to be distracted. Probably you are because you might have to work harder. See, see y'all know the story. If God hadn't called him from Colorado to step into a position then I wouldn't have been able to step into a, a position that God called me to step into. See, we're all interrelated, aren't we? So, so don't, don't worry about this or that. Worry about what God might have you step up into. Oh, I'm so excited to see those LTS graduates. I thought, glory to God, raw recruits for the front line. Hallelujah, Lord. Where are you going to send them? Where, how are you going to use them? Amen. Where are they going to end up? Isn't that just the joy? Just, just, we all just get to sit back and watch them. It's just, just like watching your little kids when they learn how to walk and, and you wonder, you know, where are they going to be? And then all of a sudden they're married and got kids of their own. You turn around and say, how'd that happen so fast? Yeah. Amen. Jesus is wonderful, isn't he? Yeah. Amen. So congratulations, LTS students. L LTS, Terry has always said, is the greatest thing in our ministry. And uh, I know it has the greatest people in it. So that's probably why it's the greatest thing. Hallelujah. So excited for Ghana. Hallelujah. Thrills me. You know, some people, they're, they're always like, well, you're, you're all about this country. You're all about. No, no, no. I'm all about God's people doing what God's called them to do. Right now, I have a personal assignment, but that doesn't make the country I go to more important than this country. How many of you know there's people all over the world that are all lost and dying. They're going to go to hell. You know, and God may call you someplace that you say, well, I might not be welcome at CWI because nobody's ever talks about that place. Well, that's why you're here. Because we need a bigger building just because we got to put more flags up. <laughs> Amen. Did you find Proverbs? Last week I was listening to Pastor preach an amazingly strong and wonderful message. And the Spirit of God gave me a, 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 an additional word. So I, I don't know if he's going to continue in a series or not. But this will be just kind of like something we can slip right into this, this principle of the power of your words. Never underestimate the power of your words. You know, back in... 1924, this evil man, Adolf Hitler, he wrote Mein Kampf. And it, that means my struggle. 
And most people ignored that book. A lot of people laughed at it. But you know, for every word in Mein Kampf, 125 people died. Never underestimate the power of a word. He said here in Proverbs 18, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. You know, Jesus taught a lot about this, actually. He said, you know, it's not what that goes in that defiles you. It's what comes out. And here, here in Proverbs, he's, he's using the same imagery. He's using a natural process in reverse. It's not the fruit. That means the production of your mouth. It, usually in the natural, that's not what fills your belly. It's your, it's your mouth taking something in that fills your belly, right? When you sit down at Chick-fil-A and have that spicy sandwich. You're taking something in and it fills your belly. But that's not what Proverbs is saying. Proverbs is saying it's what comes out of your mouth that that will actually fill your belly. It's the man's, it's the fruit of your mouth, meaning that which you speak, that which you say, and with the increase, everybody say increase. That means you need to do it more. You need to do it more. You, you need to establish your confession. You need to increase this awareness. And with the increase of your lips, you'll be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now right here I want to camp out for a minute because I've realized most people, honestly, they don't love it. He didn't say like it. He said, you got to love this. If you really want to learn how to walk in the power of, of using your faith intentionally and deliberately, you need to love the process. You need to love the principle. You, you, need, to, you need to love the truth of what Jesus taught and how words are powerful. You have to love. And you know when you love something. You know when a kid loves something. It's when, you know, he loves a roller coaster because as soon as he's done, he grabs you by the hand and drags you back and gets you back in line. He wants more of the roller coaster. When you, when you love this principle, you won't get bored hearing me preach it again. You, you, you know, it's important that there's an increase of learning and an increase of your confession and the word confession means to speak it out. And it is the fruit of your lips. It is to be spoken. Uh, you know, last week when we were, we, Pastor Sid, I loved it, had us making a confession of faith. And I'm sure you all picked up a copy of that. I encourage you to put it in your Bible. I encourage you to include it into your daily quiet time. And your, your daily time with God. You can find a place to confess God's word. You can, you can tape it to the dash of your car. You can tape it to, to your refrigerator where you worship every morning. You, you, you can... <laughs> what, what I did when I was 16, I had a problem with anger. I took confessions of the love of God, I, I, and I slept in a, my, my, in a bunk bed. My brother slept on top. I slept underneath, and I pasted it above me and before I went to sleep every night I confessed 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified with my name in it and, and, and when I woke up every morning I confessed it before I got out of bed and it changed me forever changed me forever
Hallelujah. So, so find a, a system to begin to confess God's word. But my point is, you have to say it out loud. Somebody says, well, I, I don't need to say it out loud. I'm just going to say it on the inside. Well, I'm going to take you tonight through some scriptures that will emphasize this fact that it is the spoken word that is alive. And you need to say it. But even in common sense, there's nobody within the sound of my voice that will, will deny common sense. That there are certain things in life you need to say out loud. Now, Terry and I, we raised three boys. And they were all, or they are all, very strong-willed children. Now, uh, sometimes there'd be other words you might use, like rascal. You know, they're very strong, and they were very strong. Now, parents, that's not a bad thing. If you have strong-willed children, that's a good thing. You don't break that strong will, you direct it. So that they are strong-willed against the devil. They are strong-willed against sin. They are strong-willed against the world. You know, and that, that goes on as they get older. And somebody said, oh, terrible. Now they're teenagers. And you know teenagers. They always want to rebel. Well, that's, that's only if they have student parents. Because if, if the parent was wise, you'd teach those teenagers to rebel against the devil and rebel against uh, lies and deception. You just need to teach them who to rebel against. I mean, God put it in them on purpose. And you don't want to destroy that. You want to... You want to, to affirm that. But when you have these two, t- two boys, <laughs> I had this image this morning. I'd, I, you know, uh, he, he, I don't know, I suppose Ben was probably about, oh, I don't know, six or seven. And Zach, three years younger, so four, something like that. And uh, back when they were little, toys were toys. They weren't these little plastic things. If you, if you bought them a tractor, you know, it's made out of metal. You know, you got a good old John Deere toy, man. It's, it's the real stuff. And so when, when one boy hits the other one over the head, you got, you got something going on. And, and, and so I don't know if it's Zach or, or Ben, but you, you know, it probably happens five, six hundred times. You, you get this situation with two kids, and one of them is, needs to repent. And you say, now tell them you're sorry. And you get this look from this little kid. Look, there's fire in his eyes. He ain't telling nobody. Now, I'm telling you, we ain't leaving here till you tell them you're sorry. <sighs> Am I the only one in here that has ever seen that? You, you know what I'm talking about. And there ain't nobody in here that can deny there are certain things that are important you need to say out loud. I mean, he, 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 who knows what's going on inside that little mind? He might be in there saying, hmm, hmm. You know, I, listen, I listened to that sermon on grace and I'm already forgiven. I don't have to do that is nonsense I said it's nonsense no you, you know and, and we're going to stay here now, if, you, if you don't tell them you're sorry you know you, you go down the list you know you, we're putting these toys up you ain't going to be and, and I don't know both Ben and Ethan or Ben and Zach would do this thing with their arms I never did know what that was <laughs> you remember that they would Man, they're, they're mad. Now tell them you're sorry. I mean, you've got to go through the list until they're convinced. You're either going to beat them to death or you're going to cancel Christmas. You're going to do something. And tell them, sorry. 
Now that ain't sorry. Tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry now. You know. Now hug. And then they hug and they start bawling. Well, you and what happened? You broke it. But they gotta say it. And there are certain things that you gotta say. The Bible says some some particular things you gotta say boldly. I hate I hate weak effeminate prayers. I'm just going to be honest. There's something that just scratches me. It ain't right. Because then they all usually get all syrupy and meander off into something reason of why they're sick. No, you don't, you don't say, come out in Jesus' name, pretty please. <laughs> you use your mouth. You use authority. Amen? You, 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 you're going to see it. All right, go to John... <laughs> Go to Joshua 1. And I realize some of this for some. You've been down faith's road for a while. You've been studying faith for a while. Well, so have I. I started studying faith. I was figuring it out 40, 43 years ago. I'm learning a few things. But I'm still learning. Amen. I, I mean, I remember the first time I heard about faith and I thought, wow, I want that. And I hope that's your response. I hope you want to walk in faith. I hope you want to see and harness the power of your words as the Bible promises. We're, we're going to look at scriptures. It says, whosoever shall say. Well, whosoever surely means me. Th- this principle of using words and speaking faith is for everyone. It's the principle of faith. It's not just for some elite special, super holy. You you do understand there are no super holy because the only reason anyone is holy is the blood of Jesus. So, I mean, we're all equal there. The the only critical issue is that God made your heart the, the system, this monitoring system, this fail safe system. You know, I mean, Mr. Biden doesn't walk around with a nuclear launch code in his pocket like a garage door opener. He might fall and accidentally hit it, and we, we, nuke, we nuke the world. I mean, that doesn't, there's a fail-safe system, right? Well, 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 there's a fail-safe system to faith, so don't get all uptight. People have come to me all the time. Well, you preach prosperity. I just think you're, you're, just, you're just greedy. You're selfish. Well, well, if I am, it won't work. James says, if, if you pray with the wrong motive, your prayers won't work. See, that's the beauty of sowing and reaping, that if you are selfish, and we are, don't, don't get too pious, right? When you give, I'm telling you, some of you, when God told you to put that extra zero on your check, did it not pull the selfishness right out of you? It, 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 it deals with your heart. And then you, it, that purifying process brings your heart into a position where it's a better garden for the word to be planted. But see, because we've all been given a, a measure of faith according to that place where we are. But you can increase that from 30 to 60 to 100 fold. But it, but so, so some of the issues I'm talking about go in different directions. But the one I want to focus on today is say it out loud. 
it'll make the biggest change in your life. And when I was listening to folks confessing the word last week, I I was realizing some people are shy. They're self-conscious. Some people just don't want to say it out loud. Some people, they're they're getting bored. Well, they don't love it. They They don't love it. They haven't figured out that this is the secret to having all their needs met. Jesus said, "My Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is the answer to every problem in your missions in your in your outreach this is the problem uh, this is the answer to all your problems of meeting your bills at the end of the month i mean this is the answer and to speak god's word out loud is is so important in joshua 1 8 it says this book of the law joshua chapter 1 verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth now that's king james it doesn't mean you won't let it out. It doesn't mean you put your hand over your mouth and you don't let it out. It means it's the only thing that's coming out. It's a constant stream. This book of the law is always in your mouth. Speak God's word all the time. Speak that word out. And, and then it goes on and talks about meditate. But you'll meditate there in day and night. Now... That's the English translation of a Hebrew word. And meditate's a pretty good translation. But for most of us, when we think about meditate, we think about somebody squatting like an Indian with a weird deal with their fingers and, and uh, you know, off somewhere in the ether. And that's not meditation. Transcendental meditation, meditation with the Buddhists, meditation with all other false religions that I'm aware of, the object is to empty your mind. That is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is to fill your mind with God's word. So that when, when your body's full of some lust wanting to go to this direction, you fill your mind with the word of God. And you go according to the word. So much so that when you meditate on the word, Proverbs says, when you wake up, the word of God will speak to you. I, I, I love that. I mean, you just wake up and, and scripture just floats up out of your spirit. I know some of you, just by your smiles, you've experienced that. But the Hebrew basic root of the Hebrew word meditate is another English word, mutter. Not mama. <laughs> I'm not from Jersey. No, it's, it's mutter. M-U-T-T-E-R. And mutter simply means to speak a word or short phrase repetitively under your breath, but it's to speak it. If you're not speaking it out loud, you're not muttering. There's a vocal quality to this Hebrew word. In fact, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the Old Testament, all the way up through Judaism, they called it davening. And davening was when they would take the Psalms and, and those men would start rocking. And what they're doing is quoting scripture. And they'd, they'd be like this. I don't know if you've ever seen the Jews doing that. But what are they doing? They're speaking scripture. And it's not prayer or it's not effective if they don't say it out loud. Well, they, they get it from this word you got to begin to mutter God's word. Now, that solves the issue of learning how to meditate. Because you already know how. Because you know how to mutter. Because you walk around your living room saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. 
how am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to pay that bill? I, I, I don't know where I'm going to get the money. I, 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 think, I think it's the end. You know, oh, she's, she's going to kill me. I never should have bought that eight-foot television. I, I don't know. What am I going to do? She's just not. What? Oh, Lord Almighty. What is that? It's muttering. And then you wrap it up with worry, and you got a whole wonderful package, and nobody taught you how to do that. You didn't go to any three-day course. Right? How to worry in five easy steps. No. You didn't, you didn't, nobody had to teach you how. And nobody had to, needs to teach you how to meditate either. You just need to do it. And, and, and when you're in that, that situation, you walk in the, the living room back and forth, and you're muttering negativity and doubt, you need to catch yourself. You say, oh, oh no. He meets all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, you can't say things out loud and have other things running through your head. It's a physical law. What you say out your mouth focuses your mind and shuts up that false stream of doubt and unbelief. It dominates the situation. When I was dealing with suicidal attacks of the, the enemy and suicidal thoughts, I was 16 years old. The only way I could get through it was to listen to teaching tapes with the volume all the way up and to speak out loud. I would parrot. Usually it was Brother Copeland because I had so many of his tapes. And I would just parrot it. I mean, he, I would repeat it. Why? Because if I didn't, if I let my mind go for a little bit, it would slip over into depression. And I'd turn the lights out and sit in the corner. But I learned that there's a, there, there's, there's, a, there's a means that if I can trust this word and keep it alive in my mind, what happens then is there's a t- tipping point. And you get to the place where worry is harder than believing. And that's where you want to be. Over in the joy. Amen. And you can get there. And you will get there. And the process is by speaking and confessing God's word out loud. Now, I'm going to give you a few, few little tips here. Number one, and write this down, then later we'll explain it. But there's two sides to confessing God's word or the confession of faith. There is a confession unto faith. In other words, you're confessing God's word because you need it. And it's building faith in you and it's feeding your spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Well, that word isn't life for your flesh. That word isn't life for your mind. That word is life for your spirit and your spirit gets stronger. And then that'll dominate your mind. And then through that, you'll, you'll see change in your physical body. But as you confess God's word unto faith, you get to a tipping point or you get to a point where, 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 I hate to use the word pressure, but you'll get to a point where then it's a confession of faith and now you're releasing faith. And all of a sudden it's like shooting a gun and it's different. I heard Oral Roberts say this when I was, again, I was, I think, well, at that time I think I was 17. And uh, I got a weird set of circumstances, but I got to be sitting right about there, and he was right about that far away, and 
the maybe center, baby maybe in ORU. And he's teaching, and I'll never forget what he said. Faith is not making yourself believe. Faith is when you cannot be made to doubt. And it changed my life. Because I'd been trying to make myself believe. Because I heard somebody else's testimony. I heard what they did. And I wanted to copy what they did. But you can't copy what they did unless you have the faith they had. See, we enter, if we're not careful, and we got to say these things, because sometimes we don't, and, and people get, they make faith mistakes. I, I've made them, probably you've made them too. But I don't want people to make faith mistakes. We sometimes confuse faith with presumption. Or just foolishness. I remember the first church tearing out pastored. And uh, I preached a message on faith and confession. And, and we only had like 15 people. <laughs> and one of the guys, one of the younger guys was met me at the door. He says, I never heard anything like that in my life. This is amazing. I'm going to the car dealer tomorrow. He's going to give me a new car in Jesus' name. I believe he's going to give me a new car. He's going to give me a new car in Jesus' name. I believe it's mine. I'm standing right at the door, you know, shaking hands as they leave. And I start to correct him and shut him down. The Spirit of God came on me and said, let him figure out he's stupid on his own. <laughs> so honest to God, that's what he told me. I, w- I wanted to help him, but dumb is dumb. See, see the problem is some people, they, they're not students, so they only hear a little bit. And, and, or, or they only hear what they want to hear. All right? See, you're not going to pop up here and go to the car dealer and get a new car tomorrow. Why? Because you haven't developed your faith there. But, but there is a level where your faith's already operating. All you got to do is identify where that is, start there, and then start to grow. Amen. But sometimes there's this disconnect. I remember one of the first pastor conferences I went to. <laughs> I'm pastoring his little church. We might have been up to 30 by then. And I went to a pastor's conference, and it was off in the city, and, and I got invited. And we're sitting there. I, I, somehow I got into a side seminar on how to institute an employee of the month program into your church. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting there. I start giggling because I'm the employee of the month every month. <laughs> I win. I win. <laughs> and, 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 you know, what is that? Well, I, I mean... If, if you got a thousand people in your church, you need it. You, you know, you got a staff of 30 some people, you need that kind. Obviously, it wasn't for me. I, I can't be critical about them. They weren't wrong, were they? No, they weren't wrong. But it didn't fit where I was. I had to be honest and say, I don't belong in this room. I need to find where's the seminar and what to do when you ain't got no money. I need, to, I need to seminar, what do you do when your church don't even have a commode? We didn't have a toilet, man. And they still came. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but we did get a toilet. Glory to God. Anyway, I ain't going to get down trapped down that one. Go with me over to, uh, let's go to Mark chapter 11. So we, we need to find out where our faith is because the principle is the same at every level. See, the faith that saved you 
How many, anybody in here born again? You received Jesus as the Lord of your life. You, you used your faith. Romans 10 said you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Guess what? You said it out loud. So, well, no, I just said it inside. I, no, you didn't. You confessed it out loud. There's certain things you need to say out loud. I remember a Muslim boy in Istanbul when we started a church. He came forward in the prayer line to, to get born again. It was very clear. He'd seen some amazing miracles. People were healed. He came forward. I laid hands on him. And I said, say this after me. You know, Jesus is Lord. You know, at the end of the prayer of salvation. And he's, he's repeating with the interpreter. And Jesus is, and then his mouth got all squirreled up. He couldn't say it. I mean, even the devil doesn't want you to say that. I had to cast the devil out of him. As soon as I did, well, then he could say it boldly. He got saved. Amen. Well, he had faith to be saved because he'd heard a message on salvation. But he still had to use the faith principle. You believe it in your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. You confess it with your mouth. Well, do you know that's the same way you get filled with the Holy Ghost? The same principle of faith works at every stage of your, of your spiritual walk. That's the same way you receive healing. You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. And that's the point is sometimes you're not there yet. You know, I, I, I remember <clears throat> I had a hard time. I'll be honest. Here I was, a, a, a teenager, fighting depression and devils and, and all kinds of stuff and going to a church that didn't believe in the Word of God. I'm telling you, the church you, you go to can determine if you live or die. Half of the problem was I'm, I'm, I'm listening to cassette tapes on faith and then going to a church that's teaching me the opposite. And all that struggle and all of that going on. And I'd listen to Kenneth Copeland talking about using his faith to believe for an airplane. Well, I understand that. Praise God. But I don't have an airplane. And I had a problem. I had, this is where I learned about sock faith. Because he's believing for airplanes. And I, I don't even have enough faith to ask God for a pair of socks. Right? And I'm so glad I learned. See, his believing for an airplane was like implementing an employee of the month. It's not wrong. It's just not where I was at. And so, so I, I learned then that when it comes to faith, you've already had faith victories. It's just like prayer. I, I, I used to preach prayer a lot, and, and, and it broke my heart because I knew and I could see people's prayer life wasn't changing. And it wasn't that I was intellectually preaching over their head I just wasn't connecting with where they're at, at what level they're at. Because I know this. If I can get you to get, if I can get you to the place where you have one concrete, bona fide, you know it was God answered a prayer, let him go. Because he's going to pray for the rest of his life. All, 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 I mean, boom. And, 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 and sometimes if you get clogged down in your prayer life and you're not praying and you're not seeing answers, you just go take that little piece of paper and start writing some of those answers to prayer you've had in your life and you'll be a prayer whiz overnight. Boom, I'm back. Amen, because prayer works, friends. Well, so does faith. But most people are not conscious that they've used their faith and it's worked. It was your faith that got you saved, friends. 
And it was your faith that led you into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's your faith that will pay off your debt on your business. And it works the same way. It's the same principle. Jesus said here in Matthew or Mark chapter 11, in Hagen chapter 11, <laughs> verse 23, somebody say, well, what, what, what's that? Well, Kenneth Hagen was a tremendous man of God, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, find his books and read all of them. Mark eleven twenty-three: for verily I say unto you that whosoever, now this is Jesus talking, not, not Armstrong. Whosoever means you, right? Right? See, I got you guilty now. This is yours. This doesn't just belong to Hagen or Copeland or or, or, or Caps or Rop. Right? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass... He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now notice very, very carefully. He did not say you'll have what you believe. This was a major eye-opener for me. He didn't say you'd have what you believe. He said you'd have what you say. The point is, when you believe it, you'll start saying it. When you believe it, you'll start saying it. When you believe it, you'll start saying it. See, that's the tipping point. You confess God's word until change comes. Faith grows. The seed blooms. And then all of a sudden, you'll recognize there's something different in what I'm saying. I remember one instance in my my life. This was way back. Oh, I don't know. Even the date. 80s, I'm sure. And... uh, I began to dream about what we needed in the church. And, and I went to the Lord. We need a computer. Now, some of you that know electronics, maybe Austin and a couple others, we needed an IBM XT, man. This was, we, need, we need the top of the line. We need, Lord, we need a, can I be so bold, Lord, and ask for a 20 megabyte hard drive? And, 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 and here's the big one, because it was like six grand. Do, we need a, we need a uh, Hewlett-Packard laser printer. They had just come out. There, now, just to put this in perspective, in all of our city, there weren't any. That's how new it was. There weren't any. And, I mean, back then, uh, that HP laser printer, if it fell off the counter, it would kill you. I mean, it was huge. And it was six grand. And this computer, I need this to do your business. And yes, I'm a geek and I want it. See, now that's the problem. Well, I'm being honest. This is that heart. It's the failsafe system. I, I'm drooling over it. I got, I'm, I'm tearing the papers, the pictures out of the, the computer world. and putting them on a, on a wall. And, and, I'm, and I'm dreaming, because this is what we need. And this is 1980-something. Six grand just for the printer. It was a ton of money, you know, back then. I don't know what that would be compared to today, but more than six grand. 
And, uh, and, I, and so I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the faith things. But I ain't seeing nothing coming in. You know? But I got the dream, and I'm confessing, thank God for my computer. Thank God for my desktop publishing system. Oh, yeah, and the software. Desktop publishing. New buzzword. The newspaper in our city didn't have it. I mean, this is cutting edge. This is coolest of cool. Geekiest of geeks, man. And I'm believing God for all of this. And I, I don't know, probably a couple months. And I'll never forget it. Came out of a meeting with a couple other ministers. And there was another minister there that was also geeky, Ron Southwick. He was the YWAM director for that area. And Ron looked at me and he said, uh, what kind of computer do you have? And I said, I have an IBM XT and a Hewlett Packard laser printer, which blew him away. And I'm standing there thinking, I just lied. <laughs> and I had it in three days. It shocked me more than him. But when I said it, I didn't premeditate. I'd been dreaming. I'd been confessing. And all of a sudden, I came over in that tipping point where it came out of my spirit and out of my heart. And my, I could feel there was something different in my very words. I believed. And therefore, I spoke. And it came about. And there I was uh, with an amazing high-tech computer and a laser printer and software and here I was sitting at my desk with more than the entire newspaper industry in my, my region. Glory to God. But it just popped. But I felt like I lied. Do you understand what I'm saying? I felt like I lied. Well, let's look at what this implies. Hold your hand there and Mark, we're going to come back. Look over in John 11 where Jesus lied. Jesus lied? Jesus couldn't lie. Well, you tell me. John 11, verse 1, there was a certain man, sick, named Lazarus. Verse 4, Jesus heard that. He said, this sickness is not unto death. What did he go off and die for? This sickness is not unto death, false prophet. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. All right, skip on down. In verse 7, then after that saith he to his disciples, let's go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of the world but if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there's no light in him. These things said he, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. You didn't know Jesus lied. Some of your brains are so squirreled up right now, it's just fun to look at you. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. Now, friends, he's dead. 
Jesus said he's asleep. I said to him one time, a long, long time ago, I said, I said, Lord, but why did you say he's sleeping? You know, I mean, how come you got to say that? I mean, it looks like you're lying, Lord. And you know what the Spirit of God said to me? This is, this is me and the Spirit. This is not Bible, right? You can separate Armstrong from the Bible. I didn't write this even though my name's on the front. It, it's not mine, right? But the Spirit of God said to me, which is easier, to, to wake somebody up or to raise the dead? I thought, oh, okay, he's sleeping. <laughs> Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. And some of these people, they say, well, that's just the way they talked back then. Now, read the next verse, dummy. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spoke of his death. They thought he'd spoke of taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Oh. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So somebody says, well, that faith business, that's just lying. Well, you just caught Jesus in a lie. How come he talked like that? Because he used words on purpose. He, and this isn't the only time he did this. He, 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 he was brought to a young girl that was dead. And, he, and everybody was doing the funeral thing. He says, he said, be quiet. The maid is not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. So obviously it wasn't a cultural thing. Why would they laugh him to scorn? Why would he just look at the plain facts of a dead girl and lie about it? Because he weren't lying. He was exercising his faith and he released his faith. The girl is not dead. She's sleeping. And then he just said, Talithukuma, and he just raised her up. Just like you'd wake your little girl up. He used the power of his words like a carpenter would use a hammer. Jesus said, go back to Mark eleven twenty three. now. I'm sorry, I'm going long, but I need some grace. Mark 11, verse 23. Whosoever shall say, everybody say, say. say. Not think about. You need to say it. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. That's what you say. Be removed, be cast into the sea. I used to walk into my business every, every day. I had a whole bunch of debts from invoices. <laughs> I had a stack of invoices. And I'd put my hand on them. I'd say, I, I say you're paid in Jesus' name. When they all got paid. You got to speak to the mountain. And, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Now, believe what? Believe that I'm healed? No. Believe that I'm free of debt? No. He tells you exactly what you are supposed to believe. Believe that I'm going to have that, that uh, new job? No. What is it you're supposed to believe? That the things that you say will come to pass. That means all the things you say. See, faith will put a harness on your lips and on your tongue like nothing else. Believe that the things you say will come to pass. Let me show you this stubborn faith 
in Jacob. Go back with me to Genesis 27. Now you know this story. And uh, in, in Genesis 27, you, you were taught this in children's church. Isaac, or excuse me, Jacob and Esau were, were born as twins. And Jacob reached out and grabbed Esau's ankle when he was born. That's, that's how he, he wanted to come out first. <laughs> but he was second. And then we know later, uh, Jacob was making uh, 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 a porridge. And Esau comes up really hungry. And he says, give me some of your soup. And he says, give me the birthright. Well, obviously, uh, Esau didn't respect spiritual law, and he, he sold the birthright for a bowl of soup. Well, then later, as uh, Isaac's dying, he wants to make his, his uh, departure, and he wants to bless his sons, and the blessing is as real as the birthright. And there is a blessing. And we know the story how Rebecca helped uh, uh, Jacob, you know, put hair on him and hair around his neck, gave him clothes that smelled like the field, and deceived Isaac because so, he, he'd gone blind. And so here comes Jacob, and Isaac feels of him, smells of him. Okay, so this is my son. And then he blesses him. And he speaks a blessing on his son, who is a part of a deceptive act. Right? Y'all know the story. I mean, I'll read it if you don't. We'll be here all night, but. And then he, you know, Jacob leaves. And just as soon as Jacob leaves, here comes Esau. And Isaac realized he's been had. But who are you? I'm your son. I'm your firstborn. Well, who? Well, then I, I gave the blessing. I spoke the blessing to Jacob. And he will be blessed. But daddy, can't you take it back? No, you can't take back something like that because he believed that the words that he speaks will come to pass. You can't take that back. You take that back, you don't believe nothing. That's why lying is so de destructive to faith. You believe that the words you say will come to pass. You believe that the words you say, by the way, that's a great confession of faith. The words I say come to pass in Jesus' name. The words I say come to pass in Jesus' name. See, what am I doing? I'm feeding my spirit on, on the very basics of the principle. And, and so Jacob couldn't turn and he had to kind of fidget a little bit even to find a little bit of slop left over. Amen. Now I'll give you one more example. Go with me over to 2 Kings. Can I have five minutes? Seriously? Who will give me five minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Yeah, all right. I love that joke. Glory to God. I'm going to squeeze the life out of that joke. 
for the rest of my life. Um, in 2 Kings 4, a woman, the Shunammite, she helped the prophet. And the prophet wanted to, to bless her. So he asked his servant, you know, what she'd need. And the servant said, Gehazi, he said, she ain't got no baby. She ain't got no child. How many of you know that's a blessing from the Lord? And the Lord's used Terry and I that way, I don't know, dozens of times, I suppose. It's a real honor. And so the prophet says, hey, you know, about this time next year, you're going to have a baby. So she has a baby. And the child grows up. And uh, look here in 2 Kings 4, right around verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And his father said to a boy, carry him back to his mama. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon. And then he died. Now, now come on, mom. Every mama in here, you think about that. Your baby dies on your knees. What are you going to do? Well, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And she shut the door and went out. And she called to her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come back. And he said, Why are you going now? It's not a new moon. It's not a Sabbath. What do you want to go to church for? And she said, It shall be well. Don't tell me faith ain't real. Don't tell me faith doesn't run through the whole Bible. She didn't even tell daddy. Man, that woman had faith. Now don't you go and try to fake it. Don't you go and try to step out into foolishness and presumption. It was in her. This was the fruit of her ministry sitting under Elijah. See, even, I don't have time, but even when Jacob took the, the sticks and cut streaks in them and stuck them in front of the goats and the, and, and the sheep when they were in the trough, you know, and they'd start breeding, and he put this symbol in front of them so they would have spots and streaks and, and whatnot. If you keep reading, you'll find out that, that Jacob says he had a dream about that before he did it. You don't just cook this stuff up. There's something about your heart as that fail-safe system. Whenever you're going out beyond the confines of the specific revealed Word of God, you better be led by the Spirit. You don't go copying this woman. You know, and that happens in churches all over America. Some pastor preaches something exactly like this, and they miss the faith principle, and they end up making a fool out of Jesus. Y'all here, you're going home. So I want you to get this because faith will work in your life. And this woman had it working. Well, was she lying? No, she wasn't lying. Now, if it hadn't worked, what would her husband have thought? She's nuts. But she wasn't nuts. It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive <laughs> and go forward. Slack not your riding for me, boy, except I bid thee. 
I mean, it's like, it's like, boy, get that airplane down that lane and get us airborne now. So she went and came to the man of God, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her that he said to Gehazi, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run, I pray you, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with you? Is it well with the husband? Is it well with the child? She lied to the man of God. It's well. Boy's dead on his bed. It is well. Yeah. She lying? No, she's not lying. She's speaking faith. And when she came to the man of God, she caught him by the feet. Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Leave her alone. Her soul is vexed, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And she said, Can you imagine her saying it? Did I desire a son of my Lord? She never asked. You know what she's saying? I didn't ask for him. You're the one who came to me. Do not deceive me. Some of you have lost your healing. You need to meditate on these scriptures. You need to put yourself in the place of this woman. Some of you have lost your dreams. Some of you, you've just lost your way. Some of you, you've had the promises of God. You walked in a little while, and then somewhere we, we miss it. Listen, we all miss it. We all do. Don't deceive me, she said. Well, then I think God must have shown the prophet because he come alive. He said, to his servant, gird up your loins. That, that means run. Take my staff in your hand and go. If you find anybody, don't even salute them. Don't say hello. Lay my staff on the face of the child. And uh, we know what happened. He went in, shut the door between him. He prayed to the Lord, went up and laid on the, ba- on the body. Sneezed. The, the, body, the boy sneezed a couple times. God brought him back. Presented them to mama. Now I wonder, come on, whose faith brought that boy back? His mother's faith, right? So, so here's some, I think, strong examples. We go back to Mark 11 now. Of what exactly Jesus said. Believe that those things which you say will come to pass. You will have what you say. It is well Believe that the things which you say. Mark eleven twenty three has absolutely nothing to do with believing God. I talk to people all the time. Well, you know, where, where are you at? Well, I'm believing God. What for? You, you, you think you're going to make him real? You don't need to. It's like me saying, well, I, I, I'm believing in Kevin. I'm believing Kevin. Kevin is. Thank God there's a Kevin. God don't need your help. Well, I'm believing God. Well, I hope he believes in you. The question is, do you believe that the things which you say will come to pass? Or do you believe that you're receiving from the Father the things which he has promised? 
Or do you believe that it shall be unto me as he said? We can go on and on. Let's go on and on. Go with me to Psalms 91. I'm sorry. We gotta, I'm not going to apologize. Sometimes this is a matter of life and death. You've got to, to get this principle. Some of you, the power of habits and addictions and sins will be broken off of your life the moment you stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I feel like I'm lying. It's the truth, whether you feel like you're lying or not. And you keep confessing it till it don't feel like a lie. Until it comes out of your mouth like that woman's, it is well. Amen. He that dwells, Psalms 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now listen, dwelling in the secret place, abiding under the shadow, come before the speaking. See, this is not just a mechanical principle that you copy. This is not positive thinking. This is a communion with the living word of God. His words are spirit and they are life. And as you commune with the living word of God in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. You need to say it. You need to say it. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Now look down to verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Well, how'd you do that? By saying it. You made him your habitation by saying it. Continue to speak God's word. Let that word constantly come out of your mouth until you become conformed to that word in in experience and in practice and in everything you encounter. And I'll end here in Philippians, if I can. You need to be sure whenever you face anything that you got, you've got a word for it. The most important thing you should consider when you face a crisis is what does God's word say about this? And then grab it. I had to go into a meeting with people that wanted my head on a stick one time. And with trembling knees and the devil trying to bring fear and everything, I knew I needed a scripture. And walking down this hall, Spirit of God came up in my spirit. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Be strong and of a good courage. And all of a sudden you turn the doorknob on the door. You're a different man. But you've got to have a word. You better know what scripture you're standing on every day. Amen. And speak that word deliberately. Jesus got to the boat and said, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go out in the middle and sing. 
And when you get in the car, you say, I'm going to church and coming home. Thank you, Lord, safely. Ministering spirits go before and prepare the way. Philippians 4 says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. I guess that means all the time. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. See, this is where thanksgiving doesn't praise. What, what, what does praise do? Doesn't God inhabit our praises? See, see, it's not a mechanical process if you commune with the Holy Ghost in your confession of faith. See, it becomes a part of your prayer life, back and forth to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, some people are so mechanical and repetitious. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Go Catholic and do another lap around a rosary. No, worship the Lord in all things with prayer and supplication. Thank you, Lord. By your stripes, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes, I'm healed. Do you, do you, do you see the difference I'm trying to get across to you? You're dwelling in the secret place, man. You're communing with the Lord. It's not Christian science. It's Christian sense in everything. And you've got that scripture. And the peace of God comes. It passes all understanding. But that peace comes. And it keeps your hearts and your minds. And you, and you go right on down through it. And you come to a verse like 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. Whether it's climbing a mountain. Or whether it's fast tracking a, a pilot's license. Or, or, or whether it's making it through an interview where you think they're going to can you. Or whether it's facing a final where you know you're going to fail. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you, you confess it and you cry because you're weak. But something begins to happen. And maybe you even confess that. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. I've been weak. But when I am weak, then he is strong. Then he is strong. And you, that's living by faith, friends. Living by, I, don't trade it for nothing. This is where the miracles are at. This is where he's at. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Because it ain't me, it's you. Isn't that right, Lord? It's not me, it's you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, right now, I ain't got the faith. Right now, I'm making a confession unto faith. But I'm fellowshipping with him. I'm communing with him. And you keep at it. You keep at it. You keep at it. And then, and it'll come, and all of a sudden there'll be a click in the spirit. And you'll say, where are you, devil? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to knock you six ways to Sunday. And I'm back again. You, you, you worship, you, you meditate, you mutter. Ah, let the weak say, I'm strong, I'm strong. Let the weak say, I'm strong, I'm strong. I got a phone call. It was late one night. A 
man had fallen off of a roof, framing up a house, second floor, went through, ground floor, went through, landed on a two by four up against the cement wall in the basement, broke his back. Make a long story short, I walked into the bed in the emergency room where I've never heard a man screaming so painfully and so loud and so much agony it just and thank God for the Holy Ghost because I don't know how to do this stuff but I walked into that side of that emergency room bed he's got a broken back they already told me that they were able to get one x-ray his back's broke they're trying to get him calmed down to take more x-rays and he's thrashing like a fish in the bottom of the bass boat and I put my hands just like that and looked in his eyes. And I said, Charlie, give me a scripture. I had to scream at him two or three times. Till in all his screaming, I heard him say, the Lord is. And I knew it was the Lord's prayer. And I grabbed a hold of that and started screaming the Lord's Prayer into his face. And eventually he started quoting it back to me. God's Word is alive. Amen. That was Saturday. Well, it was probably already into Sunday morning. He walked out Monday morning with, with completely healed, no broken bag. But you've got to have a scripture. I don't, I don't know what it is that you got to apply your faith to but there's a scripture for it if you don't know seriously friends come on I, I mean I'll give you a scripture for sock faith I mean there's great broad general scriptures God will meet all your needs there you go go get socks well is it enough yeah that's enough but other things some people if you don't know come talk to pastor that's what he's for but start where you are and use your faith. You can all laugh at me, but I used to get on the airplane and say, I ride in first class, and then I'd turn right and go sit in the economy. But I ride first class. I don't know how many years I pointed at business class and rode in the economy. God. And when you finally turn left, Amen. Amen. I'll live and not die. I will live and not die. I will live and not die. Amen. I know I've not grown in faith as much as I should have. That's how I feel. I want you to have such a passion to become a man and a woman of faith. Amen. Well, I'm done. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. 
I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in Him. You who are His holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear Him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Come children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life? Loving a long life to enjoy what is good. Here's how you do it. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from what is evil. Do what is good. Seek peace. Pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities. But the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked. And those who hate righteousness will be punished. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. And all who take refuge in him will not be punished. We need to proclaim the Lord's goodness. You know, the Lord's favor is on me. Someone say that. The Lord's favor is on me. I am ridiculously favored. So much so that it seems unfair. So much so. For everyone around me. The Lord's favor is on me. He does good things for me. I walk in His divine pleasure. He gives me good things. In this life, I will see. I will see the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. I exalt His name. I exalt. I glorify Him. I glorify by him. giving Him praise. I give Him praise for these good things. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've done so many good things, Lord. You know, just in my personal life, I've experienced so many divine healings, miracles, things put back together, things that were torn, healed, just supernaturally. I've had debts paid supernaturally, forgiven supernaturally. I've had money show up in places where it's impossible to anyone to have put it, and money was there. I remember one time in particular, we, did, we had no money. We were praying to the Lord about it. And inside our locked car, we found $700. Amen. I don't know. God, but God, right? Amen. 
God is good. His favor is on us. I remember being without tires, needing tires, and he brought someone to pay for tires for the car. I remember times where we just didn't know how the bills were going to get paid. And in the mail, I mean, from the IRS, was the money to pay the bills. Places we never expected it. I remember, you know, there was a time that we went through so much financial difficulty that every, every week we were $400 in the red of what was going to come due. And the bills were piling up and they're being stacked up. And exactly what, what Dale shared with us tonight, I would look at those bills and I'd say, I call you paid in the name of Jesus. Every bill is paid. And in the mail from a foreclosure, because we had lost our house several years earlier to a foreclosure. In the mail, unbeknownst to, I did not know this was happening, but in the mail we one day get thousands of dollars from Wells Fargo Bank because the government had given them a spanking for, do, for doing foreclosures too quickly. And so they had to send all this money back to all these people. And we were one of them. And it just showed up at the, at the 11th hour and 59th minute. But it was there. You know... Our daughter, Ariel, she, she almost, I mean, her and her mom almost died when she was pregnant with her. And the Lord spared them. I mean, bleeding like a faucet. And, and at a command, rebuking death, that blood just shut off. Just like a switch, shut off. The doctors told her that she should never, ever have any more children. It'll cost her life. And along came a couple years later, Adele. Completely problem-free pregnancy. Just hallelujah. You know, we came here with nothing. We, we forsook everything and we came to Pennsylvania. And just a few short years later, the Lord put us in a 7,000 square foot house, a 10 acre farmette, an amazing property that we were able to rent out and put horses in the pasture. And by the time it was all said and done, we were putting $100 a month into our pocket after paying the rent. You know, one year ago, if you would have told me that you're going to go climb a mountain, I would have said, yeah, that's right. But if you would have said in one year, you're going to be flying with Dale and Terry and your wife across a state line, and you're going to be the one sitting in the pilot's seat, and you're going to be planting a church, I'd have been like, man, what did you smoke? That was good stuff. Can I have some? I mean, I wouldn't because I don't smoke things except meat. But. but my point is, is the goodness of God needs to be proclaimed. His, his favor on me is so ridiculous. Sometimes it's almost like I've, I have to remind myself, get your eyes off of you and on to the Lord so that he, I can brag on it. What has God done for you? So um, at the end of November, um, I was working on a project outside and I was bringing the stuff that I was working with down the steps to our basement. And um, when I was going down, I don't even know what happened, but I fell down the steps and I was probably four or five steps up from the bottom concrete and I fell forward. Like my foot slipped, but I somehow fell forward onto the concrete and nothing was in my hands like it had fallen out and Shane immediately came running <laughs> and was like are you okay and I was so stunned because I had a handful of stuff 
um, but my, my face did not hit the concrete. Somehow my knees broke the fall and, and my hands were like this. And I just remember being a little stunned and I was like, I don't know how this happened. And he was like, are you okay? Is there anything broken? And I was like, maybe my toenail. <laughs> because I knew that in that moment, like I was stunned, but I speak the scripture. I've spoken the scripture about not breaking a bone in my body for years. And so I knew that even though I was like, it startled me and I was like, but there's no pain. I'm not, there's nothing broken in my body. And so anyway, that was just, I was like, when I got up, I was like, that was God. He, he saved me from breaking my bones down the steps. Like it was a big deal. Amen. She put her words out for years. Did you hear that? She's been, she's been for years putting her words out in front of her and saying that I don't break any of my bones. The Lord, he protects my bones. And then she can go do a swan dive down the stairs and her bones are protected. How's that? See, he's a good God. And we need to get our eyes off of our need all the time and just praise him for what he's done. I mean, I could just stand here for another 30 minutes and tell you story after story after story. Just mentioning them, not even telling you the details of what God has done. You know, the little gray car, we drove to church tonight. Someone just blessed us with that years ago. It was an answer to prayer. We, we had one vehicle. We were praying and asking the Lord for, for another vehicle. And the Lord put it on somebody's heart. And the need was met. Just the Lord would do good things for you. The Lord is not withholding from you. He's not our problem. He is the one who blesses us so much that is ridiculous. So thank him for it. Find someone and tell them, hey, did you know, did I ever tell you how God did this and this for me? And bless them with that testimony. All right, one way we love God is we love on each other. We tell each other great stories and boast on the Lord. everyone. So happy to see all your smiling faces. It's great to be with family tonight. I, don't, I just want to encourage you briefly in the Word of God for our time tonight. And I thought of the word bookends. Psalms 5 and 4. Believe it or not, Psalms 5 is a morning prayer that David, he was a smart guy, and he knew that spiritual preparation came before physical preparation, right? So in Psalms 5, he says, Take heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning. And in the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. It's a good position, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As for me, I'll come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight in my face. Let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Glory to God. Because you defend us. 
Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Glory to God. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor and you'll surround him with a shield. Now that's a great way to start the morning, isn't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But David didn't let that be the end of it. At night in Psalms 4, see the book ends. Seek ye first. And then at night he says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put trust in the Lord. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon me. You have put gladness in my heart. I will both lay down in peace in sleep. For you alone, our Lord, make me dwell in safety. David knew how to start his day off with the Lord. He knew how to walk with him in the middle of the day, and he knew how to end it. And I pray that each one of us sees the value of the, of the Lord, your beginning, your middle, and your end. Amen? So let's stand up together as family, and we get to worship the Lord together. What an honor and a privilege to bless the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. I like the way she said that. We get to. <laughs> Amen. It's not like we have to. It's like we get to worship. Amen. Yeah. Everyone say hi to Damon. Hey. Hey, you know, family. Amen. Thank you so much for your thoughts and your prayers over the past few months. For those of you who didn't know, I had a kidney, had major kidney surgery, two major surgeries. One was six hours on the table. The other one was another six hours on the table. You know, they said this one that they took out looked the worst. They've never seen one. It was... All this infection, God said, had to come out. So, okay, Father, it's coming out. I'm doing well. This one, I'm calling those things that be not as they are. This one is at 100%, and y'all are believing with me. Amen? Amen. Let's worship Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Amen. Come on, let's pull our hands together. I got a reason to celebrate today. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, the best word that we ever said to you was yes. Yes, Jesus, yes. When we said yes, it brought all of heaven at our disposal. It brought forgiveness and redemption and translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It brought healing. Yeah. It brought eternal life. It yeah. brought deliverance and redemption. And on and on and on. The kingdom of God it's living and dwelling within us. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. We have so much to be grateful for. We thank you tonight, Father. We thank you for what you're going to do in us, through us, for us as we posture ourselves in worship, in spirit and in truth unto you. Have your way. One way we love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm so glad you're here tonight. Well, good evening, everyone. Excited to be here tonight with family in the house of God? Well, I am. 
We'd like to welcome you here. If you're here for the very first time, you just raise your hand if this is your first time at Church of the Word International. Anyone here for the first time? All right. Well, we just like to welcome our visitors here at this place and um, know who you are. So, well, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you. And we're going to return the tithe to the Lord tonight. Amen. Excited to do that. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Everybody say live, live. increase, increase. Possess, what God has promised. possess what God has promised. See, that's what he wants for you and I. He wants you to live. He wants you to increase and possess what he's given to us. Amen. That's his heart. Well, he's given us steps in his word, in the word of God, how to do this. He's given us laws of increase, um, things that will bring prosperity. And we've been talking about laws of increase and steps and and instructions he's given us in the word. So another law of increase we're going to talk about tonight is the law of wisdom. I don't know if it's a law or not, but the wisdom of God is a factor in you and I's prosperity. And if we'll operate in the wisdom of God, it absolutely will bring us into a place of prosperity, and you will flourish. So go to Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to read some scriptures to you. In fact, go ahead and put, um, go, to, go to the book of Proverbs, and you can go over to Isaiah as well. But Proverbs chapter 8, we're going to read 18 and 19. Um, this chapter, it's wisdom's the one talking. If you look at verse 12, it says, I wisdom, and then it goes on saying things. And so here in verse 18, when it says, with me, I wisdom is the one speaking. Um, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. Now, what did it say comes with wisdom? It said riches and honor, and enduring wealth and prosperity. If you have an issue with that word rich, anybody have an issue with that? Maybe you know some people that have an issue. They just don't, mm, they kind of cringe at the word rich and wealth, and they just, I don't know, have, well, if you got a problem with riches, it, then you must have a problem with wisdom. It says, with wisdom are these things. Anybody have a problem with operating in in wisdom of God? Well, I don't. Go over to uh, another one in Proverbs, Proverbs 22. And verse 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. How many know the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, right? So humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are, are riches and honor in life. So again, if you walk in humility, which is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, it pays. That's what the word just said. It said it pays. Its wages are what? Riches, honor, and life. So again, if if you feel cringy at the word rich, well, you have to ask yourself, do I have a problem with being humble? The word just said that if... I walk in humility, it pays. 
So, so just bringing some things out here. One more in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 16, 20. Proverbs 16, if I can find it. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers and is blessed, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So if you're going to walk in wisdom, I'm, I'm taking some, some real wide brush strokes here, but if you're going to walk in wisdom, you need to hear from the Lord. So it says, gives heed, whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So whose instruction should we be heeding? And it's going to bring prosperity. If you, well, you need to know from the Lord. You need to hear from him. Do you think he doesn't have uh, perfect knowledge and divine wisdom and strategies on things? He knows what's a good investment. He knows what's the bad investment. He knows these things. And he wants to direct us. Um, Isaiah, I said to go to Isaiah 48. Let's look at verse 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who directs you in the way you should go. All right, so we know that the Lord wants us to profit. He just said he's going to teach us to profit. He just said he wants to direct us in the way that we should go. When you look up that word profit, um, some of the definitions says uh, in the original, it says gain, benefit, profit. To ascend, could we say increase, to go up, to be valuable. See, the Lord wants that for us. So when, in his direction, that's his aim. He wants to, uh, you to profit. In, um, so in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. So not the broke down not the good enough to scrape by on things of the land, the good things of the land, but what comes first? The willing, that yielded heart, and the obedience. So again, if you and I could discern the voice of the Lord in every matter and then obey, you don't, he, would, he would move us in ways of wisdom. He would teach us ways that would profit us. He would show us the way, and we would flourish. Amen? That's, that's just the truth of it. Proverbs 3, how many know this? Y'all can quote it with me. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, right? Well, she knows it. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You know, one of the demonstrations of trust is obedience. To obey when it doesn't really make sense to your logical mind. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your reasoning. But if you'll trust him, he has, he's the one that wants you to profit. He's the one that wants to see you flourish. He's the one that is wisdom. And has been, Jesus has been made wisdom for us. He's, and, and what does it say comes with wisdom? Riches and wealth and honor and prosperity are in the house of the wise, Proverbs says. The next verse says, In all of your ways acknowledge him. See, some people want to just acknowledge him in the big ways or in my troubled ways. I get into trouble, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. Lord, what do you, what do you want? What's, what's the Lord saying here? I'm in a problem. I need, need an answer. But he says, in all of your ways. That means in everything, I'm acknowledging him. And I was, as I was looking into that word, you know that word means to find out, 
to ascertain, to perceive, to recognize, to discern. In other words, in all of my ways, as I go about life, I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking to find out what's God and what's not. God, I recognize God and, and what isn't God? What are you saying about this? You know, well, should I go shopping first or should I clean my house first? Should I do this? I'm just checking in. See, that's intimacy with the Lord. And that's why it's so important that you know his voice and that you'll follow him because he wants to direct us in the ways of wisdom, which will cause you to prosper. Okay, so in all of your ways, you're seeking to find out what is God and he will direct your path. And we already know he said he's going to direct us in a good one. So that's my encouragement tonight. Another step in your prosperity, another factor in your unionized prosperity is the wisdom of God. But you got to hear him, and you got to be willing and obedient, and you will have the good of the land. All right, take a hold of your tithe. Let's pray over it. Father, we're so glad that we can be part of your family, and we're so thankful that your heart's good towards us. Lord, I just thank you that Jesus was made wisdom for us and that you desire to see us flourish and increase in every area of life. And so we are so glad and and then cheerful to be able to return the tithe to you because we know that you're the giver of all these good things. We know that you are our provider and our source. We thank you for providing every need in this house according to your word in Jesus' name. And amen. Ushers, you can pass the baskets. And the people will give to the Lord. City Gate team is heading out tomorrow in Columbia. So you can pray or join up with them. A ladies night out we have coming up on Monday, January 16th at 6. It's going to be at P.F. Chang's at the Belmont um, Shopping Center. If you're interested in going to that, please get in contact with Karen. Her number's here in the bulletin and you can text that number yes or no or whatever. Also, the men's group has a breakfast coming up on Saturday, January 28th at 8 a.m. So any of you men that would like to come out and find some fellowship and good teaching and solidness in the word, you can be a part of that. Um, The location will be announced, but Josh is heading that up. Oh, it's going to be at Shane's. All right, that one's taken care of. So let Josh know, Shane know, if you're going to be attending that. I also wanted to mention that our donation summaries should be here ready to pass out next week. So you can be expecting that. We want to get those out as soon as possible. All right. Well, tonight, many of you know we have an LTS graduation. So Kelly, do you want to come up? Good evening, everybody. So it is an honor tonight to be able to have yet another class. We have had many, many classes over the last several years here at CWI graduate from our leadership training school, LTS for short. But the school um, is it's right here. We have it right here at CWI. It it runs semester to semester. Um, So we'll have another one coming up. So if it's something that the Lord's put on your heart, we start again in February. So please see me. I would be happy to get you more information and application. But tonight, we would like to recognize seven people. This is one of our larger classes. They have spent the last two and a half years studying the words, uh, growing in their relationship with the Lord and with each other. 
And so you're going to get a chance to hear from them real, real short because we have a lot of them tonight. But they're going to just share with you in about a sentence or two what LTS has meant to them over the last two and a half years. So as you hear your name, you may come on up and get your diploma from LTS. So Nicole Berger, come on up. We'll just have you all line up here so we can recognize you all together. Carla Hertzler. And while Carla is coming up, let's have Janelle Martin. And Heather Nolt. And Alicia Schumann. And Caster Schumann. And Caleb Zimmerman. So there is a gift for you, a devotional that every LTS graduate gets. And I'm going to just pass the microphone. I'm going to hold it for you so you don't go too, too long. But just give us a short snippet of what LTS has meant to you over this last two and a half years. So I would say that I was pretty nervous to start anything. Um, but um, I think oftentimes people equate bad and hard as the same thing, but they're not. I, for me, LTS was a challenge. It was hard, but it was not bad. It was very beneficial, and I'm so thankful that the Lord led me to do this. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I love the fact that, that the Lord has been teaching me how to be a good disciple. When I hear the word student, I freeze up. I don't remember things. I was not a good student, but a good disciple is someone who I am. And I praise him for that. There's so much. Um, yeah, uh, for me, it was just like a great discipleship like time and just a great time to grow in the Lord. I started LTS with the intent to use it as accountability for me, for my spiritual walk, but I ended up really, really feeling like I benefited from the, the teachings on the Mondays and the Saturdays, um, just the very concentrated, intentional subjects that we would have each week. I really appreciated that. Amen. Um, I started LTS because um, I wanted to be able to regurgitate, learn how to do that with other people, like what I was taking in, and I thought that the leadership training school would do that. And so actually, it was no coincidence that this morning's teaching on relationships was my answer for tonight. Um, and because through LTS, you gain a lot of knowledge, but if you don't learn the relationship side, that knowledge is null and void with other people, with our father and... Um, family, like the relationships we have with each other. We were just talking about that this morning, how much we're going to miss that. So relationships. 
Just so you know, when you graduate from LTS, you're an LTS alumni for life. So you can come back to any Saturday or Monday teachings forever if you want. Uh, I was thankful for the different um, habits that it brought with daily journaling and Bible memory and journaling throughout the services uh, and just being more intentional to uh, put a bigger focus on learning rather than just hearing going in one ear out the other. Pause for effect. There we go. <laughs> uh, for me, um, it was all about crafting a lifestyle of consistently being in the Word and to push myself because school was always very difficult for me growing up. I'm like, I might as well throw myself into the fire again. So, but I'm very grateful I did it, and I know it's planted seeds in my heart that will grow and root and bear fruit in the future. So. Well, this is really a big, big deal that you're standing up here after all those semesters. And the Lord is very, very pleased with each and every one of you. I hope you know that, and I hope you feel that. Um, the three words that he gave me to share with you tonight from his heart is, number one, provision. And the scripture is, in Second Peter chapter 1, to those who have attained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power hath given unto you all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. The provision God already had laid up for you through this LTS, that provision, he gave it to you long ago, and you said yes. Which brings us to the second word of process. Now, we all know there's a process called the journey of life in the flesh, right? We initially say yes to Jesus invite him and receive him into our heart as our Lord and Savior. From that moment on, it's called the journey or the growth. And in Romans 12, 1, you all could say it, is one of your first memorization scriptures. In fact, why don't we all say it together? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do, and be, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, accepted, acceptable and perfect will of God. Lots of different translations up here. <laughs> so you said yes to the vehicle of process when you said yes to LTS. And it's a process that we all journey through as born-again children of God as we continue to grow up in him. And through LTS, you gain the knowledge of God, right? And you grew in character. God changed things in your soulish realm. We know that that's super important. That's a bridge between the spirit and the body. 
and you allowed the word of God and you allowed other people to speak into your life truth and love that brought change. And that's the process. The third word is progress. And God is very important about our progress in him. You know, there is no crown in the Lord without a cross. Satan comes with a counterfeit cross without a counterfeit crown without a cross. But process brings pain. It brings uh, hardship. It's tough. It's hard, isn't it? But we sharpen each other, and that's the process of LTS, that we were an encouragement. We built each other up. We edified each other. And through that, you gained progress through the process. And Paul says in, in uh, Philippians 3, uh, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. We're all still in the process, right, till we take our last breath. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press. There's a press. It's not easy. You've got to intentionally press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Well, you have fulfilled the provision You've gone through the process, and because of that, you progressed in your journey with the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for blessing these seven students that were not just great starters, but great, strong finishers. And, Lord, we just thank you that this is certainly not the end. It's the beginning of more revelation more knowledge of you, more intimate relationship and intimacy with your heart, Father, because they've gained and tasted and seen the goodness, your love, and the, and the expansion of your love in their heart. So going forward, Father, we just thank you that more, more, and more of you, less of us and more of Jesus. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You should have hats to throw. <laughs> Thank you very much for your journey. I believe there's some here tonight that the Lord stirred in your heart to... Uh, Maybe reach out and enter into LTS or at least check into it further. So if the Lord stirred you that way, I would encourage you to uh, make that step tonight. Reach out to Kelly and, and ask the appropriate questions and get things started. You know, one of the goals of LTS is leadership training school. And, and the primary way to be an effective leader, the number one step, the number one way is to take leadership in your life, in your spiritual life. Personal responsibility, right? And so in LTS, one of the things that they are taught is to become a lifelong student of the Word, right? To become, they, they get into the Word, they study. Let's say it a different way, they draw near to the Lord. And what is promised if we'll draw near to the Lord? He'll draw near to us. That's right. And so they have not graduated from that process, right? 
They've only begun, and they're going to continue to walk that out, just like everyone else in this room has to do, to walk it out. But they have tools now that they didn't have before. There's been things deposited on the inside of them that is going to help them walk out that on a daily basis. You know, sometimes, this is a warning to you guys that graduated, all right? So listen up. Sometimes we're tempted when we accomplish something like this, to sit back and take a little bit of a vacation. You know, I studied hard. I deserve a vacation. You do not deserve a vacation ever from the Lord. It's time to double down in your personal time and press in even harder. All right? Hallelujah. We have uh, the privilege of praying for Troy and Katie and everyone that is going on the trip to Ghana. But I think the only ones I know are Troy and Katie. So why don't you two come, and we're going to pray over them. You guys leave on Tuesday, is that correct? Here, I'll turn this on. So when do you, uh, when do you come home? So we leave on Tuesday of this coming week, and we'll be home on January 23rd. January 23rd. Yes. All right. So we'll be there in just a, about a, two, almost two weeks. In and out of where? Uh, out of Dulles and into Katoka Airport in Accra, Ghana. Okay, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that you would like for us to agree with you in prayer? Well, the reason we're going is to make connections primarily with the pastors there uh, for um, discipleship purposes so that when new people come to Jesus, they have a place to go because they can't go to us right. from afar other than online. So it would be great for them to have a place that they, could, they would know there's a connection ready for them in that congregation, the pastor first and then the others to help to disciple them and continue that process. Abrasive. All right. So divine connection. Divine connection. That's what yes. need to happen. All right. Awesome. Here, well, let's lay this down so I can grab this over here, maybe both of you. Let me just give... Grab each of your hands. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness to Troy, to Katie. Lord, I ask you for a divine favor on them as they travel and on their team, that every need of theirs is met in advance before they, before they need it, that nothing would be late. Lord, I thank you for favor with the airlines, with um, the customs, with officials, with every part of it, Father, that you would hide them when they need hidden, when you would um, send help to them when they need help. I thank you for it, Lord. And we just call them blessed and effective in the things of the Lord. Lord, I, I ask that you would create divine appointments and divine connections with the pastors over there and that people would come in and they would find a place to call home and be discipled and that there's the seed they sow there will bring a harvest of righteousness in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And you will go and you will come home in favor, in peace, and safety in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.